0: As a people, we are constantly evolving, and part of what influences how we evolve are the conversations we have with ourselves and other people. Welcome to Evolution Space Chats, where we take a moment to tell our stories, to see ourselves in each other, and to grow in dealing with our daily challenges. Hello, this is Evolution Space Chats brought to you by Sowetan. My name is Divinity Hochi. So quite interestingly, I grew up in a family that has women that are full of figured and plus size. So I definitely knew that I am not going to be small bodied. And I didn't quite connect how or what was making them that way. But I just knew that all of us. All of the women in my family quite um, sizable <laughs> so i was like okay i'm not sure if this is what i want for myself but it is something that i would like to be conscious of and be careful about but also outside of that or besides that i have been diagnosed with arthritis and also with a high insulin and those two things have really made me aware about my body in terms of what I take in, exercising, just trying to live a kind of balanced, healthier lifestyle so that I don't get to a point where I am in danger. So I've really tried watching what I eat over the years. Now, I know the conversation of what we eat is a bit of a sticky one in terms of what's healthy and what's not healthy, but the stats do show that we are what we eat and our bodies are a big reflection of that. And joining me in today's episode is Rain Dunn. Hi, Rain. Hi, thank How you for you? having me here. <laughs> I'm well, thank you. Okay, thank you so much for joining us. And Rain, drawing from her life experiences, including healing from an eating disorder, divorce, motherhood, the loss of her brother to suicide, and a bout of CF due to PTSD, she offers a variety of different services to enable people to find greater health and balance in their lives physically, mentally, and spiritually. These include Pilates, yoga, breath work, and meditation, energy and sound healing, a recipe book, and a digital course. She also hosts a podcast, The Rain Done Podcast, and is an avid writer with a Substack publication. Wow, (laughs) you have lived. (laughs) (laughs) But looking at your book that you brought with you in studio today, this is an amazing, amazing body of work. And I just really want to dive in, dive into the stories, dive into the food, like I want to dive into (laughs) everything.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it just gave me so much joy to see how excited you got looking through the book. (laughs) I really appreciate that. Thank you.
0: So tell us a bit about yourself before we start talking about the book and everything that you're doing. Just tell Mm -hmm. us a bit about yourself as we get into the conversation.
1: Okay, Uh, so I left home quite young. Uh, I finished matric when I was 16. Mm -hmm. I skipped two years of school and did homeschooling pretty much on my own. I just Mm -hmm. taught myself. Um, So I matriculated young and then I left home and I went to chef school. Yeah, so I started studying about food, and
0: so you had a keen interest on food. Yeah, very much. So
1: um, I grew up in a family that just loves food, Mm. and both my parents loved to cook, and um, it was always a very central part of our family life. Mm. And I'm very grateful that I was taught from such a young age the value of eating real food. Okay, like we always had home cooked meals that included vegetables, and you know, very balanced and healthy. Um, so I think that really gave me a good foundation when it came to food, mm. and yeah, by the time, um, by the time I was like fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, I was just loving cooking. I was always in the kitchen. I was watching Colton Food Network the whole time. Yeah, and, and that's something many of us can relate with. <laughs> like
0: you just grew up around food. And yes, exactly. Know, that gave, gave us that comfort and that home <gasps> food. for me, always feels like home. Yes, mm. and. That's something that I think is
1: really important. It is that connection with family and food is a way to express love. Mm. And I don't think that we should be trying to shun that or, um, you know, because there's so many fad diets and people trying to be healthy and Mm. um, or lose weight or whatever it is that they're trying to do. But what I'm passionate about is showing people that it doesn't have to be either or. You can still reconnect with those childhood memories and create those memories with your own family now Mm.
0: and be healthy. Okay, now I'm looking forward. Like, now I am (laughs) all ears open. (laughs) But now, interesting that you say that you grew up around food. You know, it was like the center of your family life.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: it's something that you're so passionate about, so much that you actually studied uh, culinary. You went to culinary school to study in that line. And then now an eating disorder yeah. shows up. How did that come about? How did you how did so you get to know that you've got an eating disorder? Did you even have a term for it?
1: So I kind of went from the one extreme to the other okay. because I was studying to be a chef. And then I didn't complete my studies just for financial reasons. You okay. know, like having left home so young, I didn't really have resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I dropped out and immediately started working as a, a sous chef. Okay. Um, so I went from working as a chef and being around food the whole day my whole life was food and then I started entering the modeling industry Uh Um, and I was immediately told that I need to lose weight Mm. (laughs) so I went from this one extreme where my whole life was about enjoying food and creating food to this other extreme where I now had to limit my food yes and at first when I was told to lose weight I did it in what I thought was a healthy way. I started going to gym and I was Mm. working out and I was just focusing on eating healthily in the way that I understood was healthy at that time. But uh, I then started modeling full time and um, I started traveling for work. Mm. And so there was just more and more pressure on me to be thin and to look a certain way. And so over the course of um, eight years of modeling, it, it just led me down this rabbit hole where it started off with that healthy approach of like exercising and eating healthy and mm. then just like step by step, slowly, slowly, I just went down a bad path. Yeah. Um, so then it started with restricting how much I was eating then mm. and then it was like cutting out certain foods because somebody said that they were bad. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, so it just got worse and worse. And then of course, when you're in that industry and you're surrounded by a bunch of young girls who are all being told that Mm -hmm. they must look a certain way and they must lose weight, we obviously are a bad influence on each other and you start picking up Tips about how to lose weight and like all the crazy and I suppose things. Was like
0: quicker ways yeah, to doing it, like exactly. a shortcut to it, and then also with the time restrictions of you not being able to maybe prepare healthier meals and go to the gym and yeah, do all and also things? just
1: not really having the knowledge. I mean, at that age, you don't really know. Mm-hmm.
0: And so, when then did you realize that you were you had reached to that point?
1: I think the first time I really admitted to myself that something was wrong I was already 21 20 or
0: 21 and when had you started modeling at when moment? I was 16 okay
1: yeah and I can remember I was booked to go to Thailand on a contract and um, before I left South Africa to go on this contract I was already a little bit worried about myself but I felt like there was nothing I could do about it mm-hmm. like it just wasn't the time mm. I was going on a contract I needed to look good um, so I just sort of pushed it to the back of my mind and so I went to Thailand and while I was in Thailand it got really bad it became way worse Um, and I was basically starving myself Mm. I wasn't eating much of anything and what had happened over the years is that it started with just restrictive dieting then it became like really starving myself and seeing Mm. how many days I could go without eating Mm. Um, and then at a certain point it turned into bulimia So then like I was starving myself, not eating. And then when I did eat, then I would make myself throw up. Mm. And so when I was in Thailand, I just went down this really dark hole. (laughs) And, um, you know, I was all on my own. I was 21 at the time. I was overseas and the world was a very different place back then. It wasn't like today where we've got social media and and uh, WhatsApp and all of those <laughs> things. I literally had to like go find an internet cafe to be able to send an email, to be able to speak to anybody yes, back home. It yes. wasn't as easy mm. to connect. So I'm very isolated on my own in this foreign country where I was going for castings all day, every day, or shooting. Mm. And so it just became very obsessive. All yeah. I could think about was... Do I look good enough to mm. be doing this job? And then your identity gets completely wrapped up in your body and your weight and, and how what you look, look like. Yeah.
0: Okay. And then what what happened? What was the turnaround point? So
1: um, I'd been in Thailand for quite a few months already, um, and my my body started reacting. So I actually started having panic attacks. Mm. And I didn't know this at the time. I only found this out much later on. But that is something that can happen when you have an eating disorder. If you're starving yourself, your body can start having panic attacks because it's like trying to send a signal Mm. that it is starving and something's wrong. So I didn't know that that was why I was having panic attacks. But, yeah, I just – there were – a couple of occasions where I was on the streets of Bangkok and like for anybody who's been there, they'll know like the streets are really big and really busy and there's like a lot of noise, a lot of cars, a lot mm. of people and it's just very chaotic and like to have a panic attack on the side of the streets in Bangkok <laughs> is very scary. <laughs> on your own. On your own. Mm. Um, yeah, so I just got to a point where I felt really scared for myself. Yeah. I was worried about myself physically and I was worried about myself mentally. Mm. Um I also was like becoming sick i had like this chronic flu bronchitis that just Mm. wouldn't go away obviously because my body didn't have any nutrition to heal itself yeah so i was physically sick and i was um, pretty much terrified mentally and Mm. emotionally i became scared for my life Mm. i thought that i might um, land up in hospital or Mm. you know so i decided to break my contract and come home back to south africa and yeah, that was just the point where I knew that this is not okay and it's mm. not sustainable, and being in this industry is not worth any of this. Mm, mm. And I felt like I just needed to come home and be around people who loved me for who I am, not for how I look. Yes. And distance myself from um, that environment where, you know, if you're a model and you're traveling, you're constantly surrounded only by industry people. So that's mm-hmm. other models who are on the same boat as you yes. or people telling you that you need to look perfect or mm. you need to lose more weight. Mm.
0: And I suppose what you went through just really shows how we are interconnected within ourselves. I mean, your body on its own could have just, you know, yeah. taken it, but then your mental health and your, your your emotional health also started taking a toll because of the one aspect of you yeah. It's almost like it had a ripple effect. You're starving with yourself and just had a ripple effect on everything. And yes. that just shows how we are actually one, you know, mind, body and spirit and soul.
1: Well, I think that's a really important point to bring up about eating disorders. So, like, somebody could look at my story and say, oh, it's it happened because she was a model and yes, she was told true. to lose weight. But it's not that simple Um there's always something underlying an eating disorder. It's Mm. a symptom of a deeper problem. Mm. So yes, because I went into the modeling industry, I was like, (laughs) let's call it an easy target for an eating disorder. (laughs) Yes, Um, it just puts you out there. There there were underlying issues within me Mm. personally that manifested in that way. Mm. So to simply dismiss eating disorders as a a function of our culture that tells women to be thin, yes, of course, that has a huge impact on it, but that's not the only factor. Yes. Um, I can only speak from my personal experience. Obviously, I'm not an expert Mm. in eating disorders, but for me personally, my eating disorder was a way for me to feel like I had some sort of control in my life. Mm. Um, because of my life situation and some traumas that I went through in my childhood, I felt unsafe in the world and I felt like I I didn't have any control in the world. And this was like the one area where I felt like I could control things Mm. was my body. Mm. I can exert control over my body and then I felt safer. Mm. Of course, I didn't know any of (laughs) this at the time. It was all very unconscious. Yeah, Um, And it was only... When I started healing, and as I got older, and I started learning about these things, that mm. I, um, I then understood mm. why that happened. Let's to talk me.
0: about your healing journey mm. and what that looked like and what it entailed. I know you came back. You said that you had you decided to come back home. Yeah. You decided to quit the modeling industry. And so, what other steps did you take towards your mm. healing? So, I came home,
1: and um i didn't quit modeling entirely i was okay. still I was still modeling, but only locally in south Africa okay. um I didn't go overseas again after that and I n- never told anyone okay <laughs> that I had a problem, <laughs> so I came home and I knew that I needed to fix myself yeah <laughs> that's what I was telling myself I was like, I need to fix I need myself to sort my yeah I to out. sort myself out, pull myself towards myself. But I never told anybody because with an eating disorder comes so much shame. Mm. There's a lot of shame that comes with it. Yes. And so what happens is that shame just perpetuates the cycle mm. because you, sh- you feel ashamed of what you're doing and those feelings of shame make you feel worse, so you just stay in that cycle. Yes. Because the, the eating disorder is a coping mechanism, really. I'm mm. um, just the same as an alcohol addiction or a drug addiction mm. would be. It's mm. a it's a way to cope with whatever yeah. you're not facing in your life. So you feel terrible about what you're doing, you think you're a horrible bad person, nobody's mm. gonna love you anymore, so you don't tell anybody and then you're keeping this massive secret. Mm. So I had this I was like living this secret life. Mm. And when you have an eating disorder, it takes over your whole life. Mm. It's it's part of your every thoughts mm. all day long. So to live in that state and be keeping it a complete secret, secret from everybody yes. is very isolating.
0: And we're actually in one of the other episodes in the first season, we we're talking about how anything obsession is actually not good yes. for you because other people hi- hide behind things that will look good and yes. seem good. Um, I'm an overachiever, I, you mm-hmm. know, they throw themselves into their work or into their studies. So anything, we will talk about how anything in obsession actually is not good because yes. then that shows that there is actually an underlying issue that we haven't dealt with. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. So I'm all about balance mm. now. That yes. has been my
1: journey is to find balance. So yeah, so at first I I didn't seek out help. Mm I remember that I I once, when I was in a really bad place, I think this was just before I went to Thailand, I got really worried about myself. So I reached out to a place in Joburg that offers psychiatric help um, for free because I I didn't have very much money. So I thought I can't like book a doctor. And I was like, Mm. I can't ask anybody for help because I can't tell anybody that I have an eating disorder. (laughs) So I just went to this place like in a state desperate and I was like, somebody, please help me. Mm. And I sat down and I had a conversation with a psychologist and um, I didn't get any help in that moment because I wasn't ready for it yet. But I think what it what it did give me is that it it made me realise that I can look for help. What do you to. mean
0: when you say you are not ready for it?
1: Uh, so I very much believe that when we are ready mm-hmm. to step onto that healing journey, that's mm-hmm. when we can do it. And that's why, like say for example, you have somebody in your life that you really care about, and you can see that they're struggling with something. Mm-hmm that person has to decide for themselves that they're ready and they want to heal. Yes,
0: 100 percent.
1: Like you have to make that decision. And if you're not ready, you won't be able to do it. So what happened is when I had this, I sat down and I had this conversation with a psychologist and I said to her, I'm very scared. I don't know what to do. I'm mm-hmm. really worried about mm-hmm. myself. I think I have an eating disorder. I was still saying, I think, even though I knew <laughs> <laughs> and um This was, I think I was leaving for Thailand, like eminently, like within a week. Mm. And she herself said to me, this is not the time for you to address it because you're about to go overseas onto this contract. And Mm. right now, that's what you need to focus on. Okay. So she said, go on your contract. And then when you come home, then you can address it Mm. and you can start to heal. Okay. So because when you start going on this healing journey, you have to reassess everything in your life. Mm. So if you're not in a space to do that, it can actually... Wreak some havoc and might make it worse for you, okay, and send you down a spiral. Mm, 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 that makes sense. Does that make? Did I did I explain that? Yes, <laughs> you did. Yeah. So <laughs> okay, so yeah, so my healing journey was a long process, and okay. I think that's really important for people to hear. Mm. It's not like if you have an eating disorder, like same, like let's say with alcohol addiction, whatever yes. it is, you're not gonna wake up one day and go oh, I have a problem. Mm. And then the next day, like okay, now I'm going to book myself a therapy session, and everything's going to be fine. Yes, and you uh, do therapy for a month, and yeah, yeah, you go for I'm one fixed. session, and then you're all fixed. <laughs> That's not the way it works. Mm. And healing is not linear either. Mm. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be two steps forward, one step back, or sometimes you're going to feel like you're going around and around in circles, sure. and it takes time. Mm. And part of my healing journey was like uh, you were talking about balance now, and about how any obsession is bad. So. Yes. I started focusing on eating healthily at a certain stage, okay. thinking that now I'm doing the right thing. But then later on, in hindsight, I realized, oh, but that was still an eating disorder because then I became obsessive about eating healthily. Uh-huh. Okay. which Back is to that obsession yeah, thing. Which is now actually a recognized eating disorder in itself called orthorexia is when people are obsessive about a healthy lifestyle, mm. about going to gym and eating healthy. Um, so that's where your point about balance is really important because yes. anything to the extreme, to an obsession, to excess is not healthy. Mm. So even eating healthily and going to gym, if you're obsessing about it and yes. it's controlling your life, that's not healthy and that's not balance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now I completely hear that. It makes so much sense and I think that connects to the point of then what is healthy? <laughs> How can we define healthy? Because I for one, I don't wanna lie. It is a bit confusing for me. And I try to do the best that I can, but in 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 a large capacity it's I'm just like, what am I even doing? Am I even doing it right? Yeah. Because there's so many eating plans out there, there's yeah. so many different diets out there and a lot of people would go onto something and then they find that it doesn't work mm-hmm. and they thought it was the actual thing that they were supposed to be yeah. going on. So what constitutes healthy? How do we define healthy? Is it a subjective thing? Is it not?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there are a lot of um, different views on mm. this question and uh, maybe there are a lot of people that would disagree with my take on it. Mm. But what I teach in my book mm. is... I want people to focus on nourishing Mm -hmm. their bodies. So rather than restricting yourself Mm -hmm. and cutting out everything Mm -hmm. to lose weight or to control a condition that you have, try to focus more on what you can add in to your diet that really nourishes your body. Okay, So a great way is to educate yourself on what is in the food that you eat. Mm. Like which vegetables contain which nutrients that do Mm, what for mm, your body. mm. You know, which spices and which herbs are going to do what. Okay, And um, so that's something that really helped me personally to start to heal was i really focused on how can i eat to feel amazing in my body Mm -hmm. how can i eat to feel vibrant Mm -hmm. and be full
0: of energy Mm -hmm. and
1: to enjoy what i'm
0: eating Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and to develop i think that enjoy yeah Yeah. we want to enjoy what we eat and i think that's why we most of the time go for what is known as the unhealthy options of food like the junk food and yeah because we want to enjoy it, and we want it to feel comfy, and we want it to feel warm, yeah, especially like on cold, rainy days. Yeah. But then you also find sometimes I found it even where I've eaten and I've just felt like, oh, like my yeah. I'm heavy now, and I'm not. Yeah. So like,
1: um, in the start of my book and my course, the first thing that I do is um, address the mindsets behind why you eat what you eat. Okay. Because we all eat for comfort at some stage. There's mm. something that that makes you feel. Comforts. Yes. It's something that was given to you in your childhood and you're associated with that. Mm. And what I want people to know is there's nothing wrong with that. Because okay. then also <laughs> there's this, you know, there's some people will shame that and like, yes. oh, you must never eat for comfort. Yeah. I disagree with that because we're not just physical bodies. Mm. Uh, we're, in, we're integrated, and your emotions and your, um, your intellect is just as important as your body. So Feeling comfort from a certain type of food is not wrong or bad. Mm. It's not something that should be shamed. Mm. But it's very valuable to like, take 10 minutes to sit down with a journal and ask yourself, why?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Why does this specific food give me so much comfort? And if it is a food that is not good for my health and it's not good for me to eat eat it all the time, what are the other ways that I can offer my body comfort and love? Mm. Instead of always going for the chocolate cake, is there something (laughs) else I can do? Like maybe I need to take a bubble bath. Mm. Maybe I need to go for a walk with my dog. Maybe I need to connect with a friend.
0: What you're saying is actually making me think or see it in the way that we need to befriend our bodies. And Absolutely. get to know our bodies a little yeah. bit more. And instead of treating our bodies as these entities that are here mm. and we just have to, you know, yeah. deal. But rather if you defend your body and you are curious about your body. Yes. Um, like what you're, what you're saying about what makes me feel good. Yeah. So that if it's not, if I'm not going to be indulging in a piece of cake because I want to feel good there's other things that I can do because I've learned about my body and yes. I understand my body to that point where I know that if I'm not doing this, I can always do that yeah. and substitute. So
1: for me personally, what really I had already started the process of healing. Mm. Um, but a, a major shift for me was when I went through pregnancy okay, and birth mm. and breastfeeding because up until that point, I, had always seen my body as part of my identity okay the way that i looked was my way through the world it was Mm -hmm. how i earned money for such a long time Mm -hmm. through my appearance and so it became such a big part of my identity and i've I've viewed my body in many ways subconsciously as my enemy because i wanted it to look a certain way and it wasn't listening to me (laughs) then i had to do things to get it to look that way so i had this Internal battle going on with my body And through the process of being pregnant It just like In an instant Totally changed my perception Of what my body is Okay, Because all of a sudden I was like Wow Mm. Our bodies are so incredible. Mm. Like my body made another human being. And it kept it inside of itself for such a
0: long time. And fed him
1: and turned him into a whole person Mm. and then gave birth to him and then fed him with my breast milk. Mm. It just gave me this incredible respect for my body. And then from that place of respect, I could start to develop this relationship of love with my body. And To be more gentle with my body and mm. to see it as my home, sure, like your body is your home for this lifetime. Mm. It's not just a robot suit yes. to beat up and make it do what you want it to do. Mm. You can
0: have a relationship with your body that is based on love and respect mm. and how do we how do we love our bodies and how do we eat with love mm. how, what What would you say even for you? that love relationship has been like? Yeah,
1: so a big part of it for me has been my career in teaching movement. And I always think that movement is a great um, access point for people to start to connect with their body. So if you have no idea what I'm talking about and you're like, I don't understand what you mean, how do I connect with my body? I would say start with movement, whether it's uh, going for a walk or um, starting yoga, You don't have to do yoga, not everybody likes it, but Mm. maybe it's yoga, maybe it's Pilates, maybe it's putting some music on in your bedroom in the morning and just dancing around for a few minutes, but focusing on how your body feels as you move it. Mm. So that's why I'm not mentioning like gym, because exercise is one thing, but an embodiment practice where you actually bring your awareness into your body Mm. and how does my body feel? And the focus is not on how many calories I'm burning or how many muscles am I building or you know how can I make my body look better? The focus is how does this movement feel in my body right now?
0: Okay.
1: And then you do the movements that feel good, Mm. not the ones that are hard and difficult. And Mm. yes, sometimes those are necessary and we all need to exercise and stay strong. But this is a separate practice where you start to connect more with your body Mm. and notice how your body feels and if you don't know how to do that yourself you can go to a yoga class or go to pilates instructor or something like that and they can help you start to connect with your body Mm. and then from that space where you can start to be a little bit more gentle in your relationship with your body, instead of always thinking, oh, I need to push harder, I must sweat more, my muscles yes, must burn more, yes. you start to go, oh, this movement feels good. Oh, when I move my hips like this, it releases something in my spine. That feels good. Mm. So it's this different type of relationship with movement as opposed to exercising.
0: Yes, and yeah. I, I like the sound of that because I think, like you're saying, for a long time when we think about movement for our bodies, Mm-hmm. Um, in the, in a healthy way We always think gym We always think exercise yeah. We always think pushing it yes. To its limits um, We always think What we want to get out of it so i want to lose x amount of weight exactly. so i'm going <laughs> to the gym to get this outcome yeah. and it's not a relationship from we come where we come from a place that says i want to get to know you more and i want to get to, uh, i want to be more curious and understand how you move what's comfortable what feels good and i i like the sound of that approach rather because mm. also i think even even with like a little child find that you get more out of the child when you are gentle and nice yes, with them when you have a conversation exactly. instead of shouting and screaming and that's trying such to a
1: good <laughs> point that you just brought up like mm-hmm. that is one of the best ways like if you're starting a healing journey one of the best things you can do is start thinking of yourself mm-hmm. as a child mm-hmm. a small child and you are now the adult that is looking after this child because mm-hmm. a lot of us have wounds from our childhood where we yes. didn't get what we needed from our parents whether or not they they tried so it's not to say that your parents didn't love you mm. or that they were abusive but mm. sometimes they have their own traumas that yes. they're carrying from their parents True. so a lot of us carry these wounds from our childhood where we didn't get exactly what we needed but now as an adult you can reparent yourself so start mm. to think of yourself as that little child who you need to be gentle and loving with mm. Mm. and that's mm. a really great way to start with that mm. and then what I would really recommend for people is like on the movement side find something that you enjoy doing like Mm -hmm. if you really hate going to gym Mm. running on a treadmill lifting weights don't do that you don't have to really there are so many different forms of exercise (laughs) find something that is fun Mm. where you don't feel like oh i've got to go do this now because i need to burn calories (laughs) it feels like a chore (laughs) yeah go do something that lights you up where you know if let's say if you're doing it at the end of the day after work By lunchtime, you're going, oh, I'm so excited that after work I get to to go do that thing. Yeah, because it's going to make me feel good. It's going to release endorphins. It's going to lift my mood. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to eating, even without changing what you're eating at all, you can already start changing your relationship to food. Okay, and how do
0: you do that?
1: Say, for example, when you sit down to have a meal, don't do it in front of the TV. Don't be on social media while you're eating. And like I'm talking to myself as well. I'm guilty of this as well. And I have to remind myself. (gasps) Or eating and you're like on the run. (laughs) Yes, don't eat on the run. Don't eat standing in the kitchen. (laughs) Not in front of the TV. Don't be on social media. Sit down. Look at your plate of food. Mm. Look at what you're about to eat. Mm. And say, wow, I'm so grateful that I get to eat this food that's going to nourish my body now. And like really feel it and believe it, Mm. because I strongly believe that our thoughts have so much power over our bodies. So if you sit down and you look at the food and you go, oh, this food is so bad. I know it's so bad for my body. I shouldn't be eating this. Mm. You're already putting that energy into your body with your thoughts. So like before you even start changing what it is that you're eating, just go, oh, I'm so grateful that I get to nourish my body now. Mm. And take a deep breath before you start eating. And eat slowly and chew your food. Smell it, taste it, mm. enjoy it. Don't just shovel it in. <laughs> uh, and I know sometimes <laughs> we don't have time, and that's in what you rush. end up doing. But even if you can just do that for one meal a day, mm.
0: no, that, that makes, makes so a much big sense. Difference, yeah. I think something else that I adopted is having a glass of water. Mm. before i, I yes eat. great I just idea have that glass of water and yeah. i'm like okay because for me i feel like I'm also then listening to my body how hungry am i exactly how much am i taking in what do I want to take in because i sometimes would have cooked like a whole spread of of things and I after having that glass of water and just listen to my body a bit, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. hey, this is what I want to have. That's what I want to have. I don't necessarily want to just yes. go through everything or what portions of what do I want to have. Yeah. So I think so it's just, how So it gives you that pause. Yes. That's why
1: like just sitting down and taking a deep breath first and mm. looking at your plates is really because sometimes we're in a rush because we've got to get the kids ready for bed and mm. to get them to bed and, and you're cooking… In a big rush, yes. And then you sit down and you eat in a rush, yes. when actually you didn't need to eat in a rush. Is
0: is it not that? Is it not the same reason then why we sometimes get full while we're cooking before we've even eaten? Because I sometimes <laughs> get that. I'm, I'm making the meal, and by the time I'm dishing it up, I'm like, well, all of a sudden oh, you're no. not interested. I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, it's, not interested. In Thank <laughs> you.
1: That does happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, this has been such an insightful conversation. And, and I think in wrapping it up, when we need to talk about holding up space mm-hmm. for ourselves and for our bodies. What what comes to mind when, when we talk about the concept of holding up space? I think if,
1: um, and you know, you don't necessarily have to have had or have an eating disorder, to have a relationship Mm. with your body and with food that needs some healing. Yes. I think the majority of us can do with a little bit of healing when it comes to our relationship with food and with our body. So if that's something that you want to do and you want to start addressing that, I would encourage you to develop a a daily practice that helps you to connect with your body. Mm and create that space where Mm. you're telling your body, okay, I'm listening. Mm. I'm here, I'm listening, I respect you, I love you. Mm. What can I give you, what do you need? Sure. So maybe that practice will look like doing some movements. Maybe it'll look like putting one hand on your heart, one hand on your belly, taking three deep breaths and Mm. asking your body, what do you need from me Mm. right now? Maybe it is just as simple as sitting and looking at your food and appreciating it Mm. and saying thank you, Mother Earth, for this beautiful food before you start eating. Yes, yeah. So it doesn't have to be a whole big, you know, one-hour-long morning practice, but just making some sort of a daily ritual Mm. where you create the space and say, body, I am listening to you. Mm. I do want to improve my relationship with you. And when you can start to do that, your body will start communicating with you. And then, like you were asking, it's so confusing to know what's healthy and yes. what's not. Even though I give guidelines in my book about mm. what I personally think we should be doing with regards to what we eat, mm. I always encourage people, try this out and see how it feels for you. Mm. That's what I really want. I want you to develop this relationship with your body where you can start to listen listen. And then you don't need somebody to tell you this yes. is good and this is bad. Yeah. You eat it and you go, oh, that doesn't feel good. Mm. Gave me indigestion or mm. just made me feel heavy. Or I feel more sluggish when I eat that thing. Or I get some anxiety when I have that food. Yes, yes. And then and then your body will start to tell you. You'll start to notice your cravings. Mm. And then, like, maybe you crave a lot of chocolate before you're about to have your period. Mm-hmm. And then if you do a little bit of research, you can learn that actually that means your body needs magnesium. Yes. And having a, a healthy chocolate like a raw cacao or a raw chocolate or a very dark chocolate mm. is actually great before yes. your period. It. It's what your body needs. So yeah. it's craving it for a reason. Mm. So rather than getting upset with yourself or having a craving, try to figure out what it is. Isn't it an emotional craving? Mm. Are you craving comforts? Or is it actually your body asking for a specific food that you can give to it in a nourishing way?
0: Yes. No, I completely hear you. And I think my take out of that is that we need to, the way that we hold up space for our bodies by listening to our bodies, Mm -hmm. allowing it to communicate with us and actually paying attention to what it says. Yes. The title of your book is, nudie foodie why (laughs) why that title
1: (laughs) um so i love to take nude photos (laughs) to put it simply yeah i just um i'm a very arty person Mm. and um i always had this desire to take beautiful nude yoga photos okay um i'm obviously into yoga, I have been um, since I was 19. Mm. And with my career in movements, teaching Pilates and yoga and bar and all of that, I just have this um, deep appreciation for the physical form mm. of the body. And so I started doing that. I started making these beautiful artistic nude photos that I would share on Instagram. So I, I suppose I sort of got a little bit known for that. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason behind me having shared that publicly mm-hmm. on Instagram. It wasn't just just the art of it Mm. it wasn't just because i wanted to take nude photos of myself i really want people to drop all the um the conditioning that we have around nudity Mm. um, and the shame Mm. that we carry around Mm. it you know Mm. I'm, i'm naked Bodies are beautiful. It's how we're born. It's completely natural. Mm. There's nothing wrong with it. Yes, they're beautiful. <laughs> yeah, so that was sort of like just um, how that concept started. And then one day I just got this idea that I wanted to create a recipe book that both had beautiful food photography and had um, some of the beautiful nude photography mm. and sort of like blended it together into this one beautiful coffee table book.
0: And it's um, done in such is, a tasteful way, I must say. You. I absolutely love your book. I've fallen in love with it, seeing <laughs> it for the first time. <laughs> and thank you so much for being you here. very welcome. Thank you for having this conversation with us. Thank you for putting your story out there. Um, I've seen myself in aspects and pieces and bits of it, and I'm sure the next person who's listening will also be able to do the same. Um, what I'm really getting out of this conversation is that the the bodies that we want or the lifestyles that we want to live are not out of reach they're not too far mm. away from us they're actually right here and we just need to open ourselves up to exploring um, yeah. what that looks like and what that feels like and we can't do that outside of actually having a relationship with our bodies having a relationship with the food that we eat and and being curious about it what is this what does it taste like what does yeah. it feel like how 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 do how am i digesting it how I, does my body feel after it's actually taken it in um so thank you very much i appreciate you coming here You're
1: very welcome divinity <laughs> thank you so much
0: for having me here be sure to catch this podcast on Sowetan Live as well as your favorite podcast platforms till next week. Be part of our community and follow us on our social media platforms till we meet again next week. Love and light. Evolution is the key to breaking the cycle of the norm.